Let's get started. Uh, I'm Brian Mount. There's my beautiful family right there. And um, I ju- actually came to Hume uh, about a year ago, actually. So uh, I'm actually originally from Southern California, a little place called Diamond Bar, and I uh, grew up there. Um, got saved and went to a little small church with a dodgy pastor called E.B. Free Fullerton, Chuck Swindoll. Um, and uh, yeah, my mom, she's not a believer. And she's like, what pastor would be named Swindle? You know, that doesn't sound really good. And so, um, so yeah, I started life in ministry down in Southern California. I worked at a camp called Forest Home, was on staff there for a decade or so. And then the Lord uh, uh, called us into missions. So we spent um, almost 20 years and. Uh, overseas missions with an organization called Operation Mobilization, or OM, and uh, so we're living in the Atlanta, Georgia area for um, quite a while, and uh, then was in church ministry for a while, and then um, the Lord called us back into camping ministry. Great, kind of a longer story, and never say never. We said we'd never come back to California, and the Lord said, don't say never, and uh, so, no, we're thrilled. Don't know anything about the Central Valley. I saw there's some Fresno churches up here. And so, still, still learning about the Central Valley. Had no idea how conservative the Central Valley is. It was like, wow. Yeah, man. Our, our first weekend here, um, we're like staring, staying at an Airbnb because we're getting over COVID and stuff. We couldn't move up here. And we get stuck in this like five-mile-long Trump parade. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, you know, so... So I've got, I've got my phone out and I'm like live streaming to all my friends in Georgia going, see, look at this, man. This isn't the California that you remember. So anyway, um, it's, uh, it's wild. So I do have a divided allegiance when the Dodgers are playing the Braves. So I, kind of a, a complex that I have to get over. So, um, hey, goals for this morning. Um, I want to inform your understanding of conflict. All of you come in here with uh, probably different knowledge and experience of conflict, and I want to inform it even more, and hopefully you can leave here with some nuggets um, about conflict. Um, I want to inspire you um, with some positive approaches to resolving conflict. Um, that's going to be largely the Holy Spirit's job in your life and your ability to yield to the Spirit in your life, so we're going to open the Word and um, hopefully inspire you with that. And then I want to equip you with some practical tools for your next conflict, not if you're going to have a conflict, but for your next conflict, I want to give you some tools, or your current conf- conflict. Um, why do we study peacemaking? Well, a lot of reasons. Um, conflict is all around us. Gosh, especially during COVID, my goodness. I mean, it, it's just, I, I, I mean, one of my mentors for this job, he was actually the COO at Forest Home um, when I was working there and really had a profound impact on my life. And he and his brother are are estranged right now because of COVID, because of differing perspectives about COVID. And it's been over a year that they've been estranged and they can't, can't get through this. Um, we have organizational conflict. If some of you are pastors, you've just been getting hammered. Um, uh, you know, we, we decided to, as an organization, we decided to do some things with some COVID mitigations that we felt were probably a good thing. And <laughs> Some churches were like, great, thanks for doing that. But other churches were like, you guys have gone off the rails and you're succumbing to fear and we don't want any part of Hume anymore. And just, just really, really hard stuff. Um, Christians, we should be defined by unity, right? Um, but gosh, and I'm pointing at myself, um, I don't know that I would give us a great letter grade um, with conflict all the time, right? Um, it's not like we're super great examples, um, Peacemaking brings hope for broken relationships. Um, I'm going to guess that there's some broken relationships in this crowd. Um, uh, and I really feel like peacemaking brings hope to those. Um, can restore past relationships, um, looking backwards, but can it also create a cultural foundation for future relationships. Once we begin to frame, what does God say about conflict resolution and, and how to approach that? Um, so I want to share a little video that's going to probably hit home to some of you, but check this out. Why does it always have to be this hard? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, some of us are like, that guy needs a little coaching. Um, but I, I got to tell you, um, I, I have some stories from my own family that uh, could resemble that and could be in the ballpark of that and maybe were that. Um, and you can see it kind of started out like a pretty decent discussion and then so fast, just like ignited and exploded. And, um, you know, for some of you, maybe like me, maybe it hits a little too close to home and, uh, 
So I want to I want to get out of that. I want to get us on, we're not going to change it this morning, but I want to get all of us onto a path of maybe thinking differently um, about that. All right, so conflict is like, um, sorry, there we go. What is that? What do you think that is? Picture of a, yes, termite. So when I moved to Georgia, um, my realtor, she said um, she's going through all this like, amazing termite bonds I've got to get for the house. And it was way more complex ever than in, in California. And I said, golly, this is a lot just for termites. And she goes, let me tell you something. You either have just had termites, you have termites, or you're going to get termites. That's all there is to it in Georgia. And I was like, really? And so I thought, you know, conflict is actually a lot like that. You, you either just come out of something, maybe not too long ago, you've got something brewing right now, or, sorry to tell you, there's something around the corner, you know, coming your way. And so it's not a question of if, it's really a question of when. So, shout out some ways, some unhelpful ways we deal with conflict. One word, short answer, just shout it out. Run, avoid. Run, avoid. Yell, attack. Yell, attack. <laughs> win. <laughs> yeah. Not listen. Manipulate. Violence. Yeah. Walk away. Silent, silent treatment, yep. <laughs> that poor dog, you know, every time. Yeah. So, just like I said, I, and I'm not going to ask for this, but, but what's it like to be on the other side of you during conflict? Um, that's a really brave question to ask a spouse or a, a child. What's it, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If you have the courage to ask that question, it could be life transforming. You just gotta be ready for the answer. Um, and you can't start fighting when you hear the answer. <laughs> but what's it like to be on the other side of you during conflict? Um, this is still a struggle for me. This is still something um, that, that is difficult for me um, in terms of that. So just to prime the pump a little bit. It's an inconvenient opportunity, I call it. An inconvenient opportunity. We don't. I mean, you're kind of weird if you love conflict, um, but if it, it's norm, most of us don't really like it. We don't want it, but it is an inconvenient opportunity, not always welcome, but always an opportunity for spiritual growth. And that may be a new concept to some of you. You may be like, what? Why, why would it be an opportunity for spiritual growth? So a new way of thinking. So have you ever done this before? Where That's supposed to be a, a gift where you're, you can see them going back. Have you ever done the, the log spin before? You know, where you're kind of staying up and you kind of got to walk backwards and walk forward and try to stay um, on that log. And if you, you know, lose your balance too far one way, you fall into the water. And if you lose your balance too far the other way, you fall into the water. So think of that as I kind of take a high level at different types of conflict. So this is straight out of uh, training that I received um, to be a Christian mediator. Um, from a book called um, The Peacemaker. Um, so if you've read that, you may be familiar. But this is called The Slippery Slope. So picture this is like your log up here, and we want to try to stay on the top, but you can kind of get out of balance and go to one side and kind of get a balance and go to the other side. So escape responses um, are over here on the left-hand side, um, and you probably can't read that, but it's suicide, flight, denial, good examples. And your goal is to get away instead of resolving. Get away instead of resolving. That's the goal if we start to kind of fall over on that side. But if you, if you go on the other side, there's my arrow, we have attack responses. So, and both of those came out in your examples. So we have assault, litigation, murder, attack responses. And oftentimes in my experience with mediating marriages is there's usually one of each in a marriage. Um, there's an escape, an attacker, and a marriage. Um, and, uh, and that makes things really, really interesting. And so those are attack responses. But our goal is to have reconciliation and resolution. And so we want to try to stay um, in this part, the peacemaking responses. So in the peacemaking responses, we have personal responses, we have assisted responses. And this is all, I'm just going to fly really high over as just kind of some base material. So personal responses would be, Overlook, um, Bible talks about overlooking offenses, and oftentimes that can save us a whole lot of trouble if we can just overlook an offense, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, reconciliation, negotiation. Um, we also have assisted responses, so some of the things I get to do is uh, uh, mediation, arbitration, accountability structures, so um, 
So I can, you know, been involved in mediations with marriages, with whole churches, denominations, businesses. Um, and uh, I was just telling somebody earlier that the principles that I'm going to share with you, I apply when it's, <laughs> I try to apply when it's me and my wife or my family, but I'll pro- apply when it's a whole denomination as well that I'm, I'm helping them to work through conflict. So these are very transferable processes. So let's talk about the anatomy of a conflict. So this is an actual picture of the most recent K&P complex fire that we just had. So that's a sequoia burning. Um, so I want to talk about what is the anatomy of conflict? How do we get from happy, happy to something like this? And it happens fast. So the spark, what's the spark? So it's a trigger. Where does conflict come from? Well, we have God-given diversity, right? Um, it's a wonderful thing. Scripture talks about diversity. Scripture talks about we have differences and we're created different um, in the body of Christ. And so that creates opportunities for um, to be used by the Lord because there's hands and feet and so on. But it also creates a rub, right, with our diversity. Why can't everybody be like me, right? Why can't everybody see the world from my perspective? Um, then we have those inevitable misunderstandings. Um, the video that we just saw was kind of a misunderstanding. Um, both people were not taking time to try to understand the other one. We have selfish attitudes, we have selfish words, selfish actions. It's just sin at the end of the day, you know? The power of sin has been broken, but the presence of sin is still very active. The fuel. Why do differences become conflicts? Well, the problem isn't the differences, it's what we do with the difference, right? The problem is not that we're different than somebody else, it's what do we do with those differences? And um, it's really about the heart, we're gonna talk about. It's really about what's going on uh, inside your heart. This is sort of a a core verse for me as I help people and groups navigate conflict. James 4, one through two, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't you know they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. So we have these desires. And a lot of times they're great desires. There's nothing wrong with the desires. We do have not good desires as well, but, but oftentimes we get into a conflict and it's these desires that we're so committed to and we can't see anything else except for our desire and that makes things blows up. And so, so in, our, in our video, there was two desires and I would actually put forth, those weren't bad desires that, that each of the couple had, right? They were, they were good desires, um, but it was the manner in which they were approaching um, those desires. So the fuel out of control desires. So as you think of desires, something you want too much, even if it's a good thing, something you will sin to obtain or sin if it's denied. You know, I've gotta have my time off. I've worked 60 hours a week. I've gotta have my time off. We have to visit my parents. My parents are old and we're not gonna have much time. So those are big things. Desire that's become a demand. It's shifted from just a simple desire to a demand. And the Bible calls this idol worship. This is a pro tip right here. If you don't, it's one of these, like if you don't get much out of this, this is a pro tip. That last bullet, follow the trail of anger to an idol. Follow a trail of anger. If you feel yourself getting totally bowed up over something, start going on an idol hunt. Start looking and saying, hmm, (laughs) what what is going on here? Um, And more than likely, at least in my experience, there's something that, has gone from a desire to a demand. But there's hope. Jesus has a radically different vision for relationships. Matthew 22, 36 to 40, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So trying to kind of Bring everything, make it simple, bring everything together. But there's also this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. In Christ, God forgave you. So it's this notion of loving the Lord your God, loving others, but I can't grit my teeth and just make it happen. There's something that's going on in here, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. So it's this knowledge that how can I hold anything against somebody else when I've been forgiven. And so oftentimes I coach people that 
that getting through a conflict is just walking them through the gospel (laughs) and just helping them to understand who they are in Christ. And I know that it's very difficult to hold an opponent in a conflict accountable for something and really come down on them if I soak myself in who I am in Christ. So there's a better way. Love and forgive others, and God loves and forgives you. As God loves and forgives you. It shouldn't be and God loves and forgives you. Yielding to the Holy Spirit's work in us, not trying harder. And that's really, really important. The Holy Spirit is active um, and he set up residence in you as a believer. And so you're working in partnership with what the Holy Spirit is already wanting to do in your life. So it's not gritting your teeth and it's like, oh, I'm just going to love this person. You know, it's yielding to what the Lord has already done, the work on the cross and what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. So I want to share with you four principles of peacemaking. This isn't a, as a guy, I like linear steps. It's like, give me me step one, give me step two. And you know, this is not that. These are just things that I would love for you to marinate in a little bit. Um, So I'd like you to just start thinking of a conflict you've recently had or conflict that you're in or or one that you anticipate is coming, but you've been avoiding it. Um, And just start to let these principles kind of float around uh, in that space uh, for a little bit. So, um, so as we think of, of peacemaking and, and getting through our conflicts, we think of glorifying God, getting the log out of your eye, gently restoring, and then going and being reconciled. So let's, let's fly through these. Glorify God. So 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What type of church was Corinth? Was it a really happening, like, great church? No. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on with new believers, right? (laughs) There was a lot of crazy stuff going on. And so for Paul to tell the church at Corinth at this time, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is is huge. I, I can speak to this personally, but also in all the mediations that I do. We, as believers, we tend to leave God out of conflicts. And for the life of me, I can't figure that out why that happens. In other words, I can be up here before you and I can be talking about the Lord and sharing scripture together. I can be praying with somebody, but then I can go home and it's like, you know, I mean, just totally blows up. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> I just totally left, left the Lord um, out of this. So we need not to leave the Lord out of our conflicts. Conflicts isn't a parenthetical thing that, well, I have my relationship with the Lord and there's a renewing work of the Holy Spirit in my life but then there's this conflict over here and I, I have a right to like sort of keep God out of this, but I'm just gonna, gonna handle this conflict. So with, with kind of our first area of glorifying God, the question that we're asking ourselves is, how can I please and honor God in this conflict? Right there, if you ask that question, some people that I coach, that just disarm, that one question just disarms everything right there and we're, and we're good, we're good to go. It's very difficult to, be ready to just blast somebody on the attack side if you're truly marinating on this question. How can I glorify God in this conflict? Super hard question to ask when there's emotions at play. Super hard question. I have my rights. You've offended me. You've done this to me. I'm hurt. How can I please and honor God? We want to see conflict as an opportunity to grow and serve others when it really matters, right? Radically different from what we're taught. Radically different from what's modeled for us, right? That conflict is an opportunity to serve somebody, to help them grow, help us grow. How can I show the same love and mercy God has shown me? There's that thing again of like, if I truly am believing what God has done in my life, um, I have no right to pursue and have a bad conflict with somebody. Um, Not only eternal life, but the gospel transforms every aspect of our daily life, right? That was something, as as an early, as a new believer in high school, I really was focused kind of on eternal life and what the gospel did as far as eternal life. And it it took me years kind of into my young adulthood to start to understand this concept of the gospel transforms lives here on earth. It it truly does. There's a transformation process and, and, Conflict is, again, it's not outside of that transformational work that God wants to do in your life um, during conflict. So we want to, after we spend time, and it just, again, no checklist here, but after we spend time 
trying to marinate in this whole understanding of glorifying God and what God has done in our own life. Um, we're ready to go to kind of the second area, and it's getting the log out of your eye, which I love. I love this illustration. This is one of my, this is one of my favorite visuals in the Bible. Get the log out of your eye. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when I'm helping people and coaching people in conflict, if if the conflict isn't diffused as we talk about what God's done in our life, so I'll, I'll meet with both parties, three parties, four parties, and we'll spend time talking about what the Lord has done in our life and glorifying the Lord. And if the conflict isn't diffused after that, the conflict usually gets diffused at this point. How can I show Jesus' work in me by taking responsibility for my part? So you may only have a slice of the pie, right? That's your responsibility. But we've got to own 100% of that slice of that pie. But in conflict, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to point out what you've done. I want to point out how you're wrong. I want to point out, you know, I, my wife, she tells me, she goes, I cannot argue with you because you're just like a lawyer. You bring up all these things and, and I, just can't, I just, you just, you win every time. And, and that just is it's so hurtful. It just hurts my feelings hearing that. Um, and, and so we, we don't do that, do we? We don't focus on our responsibility. When, when, especially when emotions are high, we focus on what everybody else has done. And if somebody said, well, did you bring anything to the conflict? Oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did. But they, they did this, 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 and this. So we have to focus on our own words and attitudes and actions. We need to check our heart for idols. Remember um, desires that have gone to demands? Checking our heart for that. What have I brought to this? I call it log hunting. Um, and we need to confess humbly and thoroughly. We need to, like I said, own 100% of your portion. This takes some time. This takes a lot of time. Um, this, is, this is really easy to coach people through as well. If you're not dealing with a conflict right now, this is really easy stuff to kind of walk people through. You can take what's your conflict and can you just walk them through that. What's your portion that you've, well, I haven't contributed anything. I, it's been all somebody else. This is, this is all somebody else. And really, is that, is that well, let's, let's kind of walk through that a little bit. The golden response, this is also a pro tip right here. Um, I find in my experience coaching people that admissions tend to trigger admissions. If I can get, if I can go over here to this party and say, hey, listen, what you just shared with me about your portion of owning that, do you think you could, when we go into mediation, do you think you could share that? I don't know if I could share it. I'm telling you, if you could just share that one little part that you feel like you own, and if you could, if you could ask forgiveness for that, and I'm gonna walk you through how to ask forgiveness for that, I think it would really open the door to the other party. Okay, let's try it. So we go to the other party. Hey, other party, um, do you think that the thing that, that they're accusing over there and they're really, do you, do, you think, do you think you could take some responsibility for that? What, what part do you think you contributed to that? You know, what I find is if I can get one party to at least start with, hey, what I did was wrong. And I need to ask your forgiveness for that with no clauses, with no buts, with no but you did this, and I did it because, just, I, I need to seek your forgiveness for that. Wow, so many times, guys, the other party meets them right where they're at. And we are moving in this conflict resolution at that point. So as you're coaching people, or whether you're, you're with your wife or a business associate, if you wanna try to diffuse a conflict quickly, you can bring yourself or get one of the parties to get to a point where they can have an unsolicited admission of this is my contribution and it was wrong and I need your forgiveness. <sighs> Opens it up big time. Hard sometimes to get there, hard to get people to get there. People tend to treat you the way you treat them. Golden rule, golden response. So getting the log out of your eyes. So spending some time how did I contribute um, to that conflict? Then we want to move into 
Gently restore, gently restore. Galatians 6, 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. How? Gently. Yeah, gently. How can I lovingly help others see how they have contributed to this conflict? So this is an interesting one. So when I work with people, I get the, well, I can't judge people. The Bible says not to judge people. This has nothing to do with what the Bible's talking about when it says don't judge people. This is actually a biblical thing to do out of love, but we don't, we don't like to do this because, we feel, well, I can't say that. I can't bring that up to them. Well, they're gonna get mad if I do that. Um, but check this. If you have worked on your heart in terms of how can I glorify God through this, um, You've worked on your heart in terms of how I've contributed to this. Um, your heart is in a far different place than the heat of the moment where you're yelling and screaming at somebody. Your heart is in a softer place. And so helping somebody to see how they've contributed, you're coming with open hands and you're coming with a humble heart toward them. You're coming to them and saying, um, after maybe you've confessed some things and said, hey, I've realized, the Lord has helped me to realize that I've contributed to this. And, um, and then that's when you can go into, um, maybe it's when you say this, I feel this. Or when you act in that manner, I feel this. Or when you did this, um, that was difficult for me. Or whatever it is. And being, being honest and open um, with people and it's an attitude and love and concern for the other person. And we always want to talk privately at first. Um, and I'm going to have you make an oath to me right now. Raise your right hand. I will never, I will never work through conflict, work through conflict. By, text or email. by text or email. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I got to tell you, and this is particularly family mediations that I do, it's like, all the communication is like trying to like work through stuff. It's like, seriously? R really? We're working through, I mean, and I've done it. You know, you try to just, you know, work it in there and it's just our culture right now, but so much room for misunderstanding. So we want to talk privately, not text privately. We want to talk privately. And then this is a whole other talk um, for another time, but but there's a model that scripture gives for us for um, if somebody is not responsive um, to us wanting to have reconciliation. And, and then, so it's talk privately first and then have somebody else go with you. And that depends on the nature of, of the conflict and how big it is. But um, we wanna talk privately to people uh, first. Well, I can't talk to them because, you know, it's just, it's really gonna be emotional. And uh, we don't really get an out. The only time I've given an out is when there's, um, been some sort of violence or trauma or harm. Um, it's really difficult to have somebody go by themselves if there's a tremendous amount of fear to another person. And so sometimes we need to get creative with that as well. But, but for the bulk of the conflicts that really trip us up, we've got to go one-on-one -on -one to somebody. We've got to man up, get courage that comes from the strength in the Lord, and we just got to go to him and humbly with, with open hands. This is called conflict coaching, what we're doing right now. And so if you know somebody who's going through something, um, you can coach them. You can coach them through this and say, hey, I'm going to be right. I'm gonna, we're going to coach you right up to that point. I'll be praying for you while you're doing it. We're going to debrief when you get back. Uh, but we've got to be willing to go one-on-one -on -one to somebody first. No one likes to be ganged up on first. That's a bummer. Um, you're not going to get a lot of progress if you, if you do that. All right, so now we've, we've really tried to soak in glorifying the Lord. We've tried to soak in um, getting the log out of your eye. Um, what's my contribution? Um, we've gone to, to gently restore. So this is gently restore is, you know, we're hopefully what's happening is there's mutual confession and forgiveness going back and forth in terms of that. And then we want to go and be reconciled. Um, so Galatians uh, 6, 1, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and um, there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go first and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. So you want to, how can I demonstrate the forgiveness of God 
and encourage a reasonable solution. So there's two parts of conflict resolution, right? There's, there's the forgiveness and, and the relational connection, but there's also some resolution. I'm not against um, litigation. There's probably attorneys in here. Um, I'm not against secular mediation or anything like that. But the, the challenge for the believer with secular mediation or litigation is that you usually get a solution, but relationships are left ravaged. Um, I went to a mediation with uh, my mother-in-law and um, she had some property dispute and I, it was my first secular medi mediation that I had been to. So she and my wife were in one room, other parties in another room. And if you're an attorney, you, you've done this before perhaps. And the, the mediation team is kind of going back and forth. They go to my mother-in-law and they kind of work this out and then they run over here and they do that. Parties walk in separate doors so they don't see each other, they don't talk to each other. Mediators get, they get a resolution going um, and they both walk out angry. They both walk out hurt. Now it's not always like that. Um, there's always, there's, I've seen some great, great secular mediation. So we have, we have a reasonable solution maybe to a conflict that I guess kind of works, um, but the relationship is, is destroyed, you know? And maybe some of you have had that experience before. So as we think as believers, we want to we wanna be reconciled. We want we want that relationship, that horizontal relationship, to be strong, right? Um, even if you have to give up some of what you think is a desirable solution, the relationship is super important, super important. And I wonder if you might give up some of what you are demanding for the sake of the relationship. And some of you, probably most of you have done that before. This relationship is too, too important. Um, right now. So we want to look out for the interests of others. What are their interests? So difficult. It's like higher level maturity <laughs> to be able to literally look and try to see where somebody else is coming from. What is their interest in this thing? Why is it so important to them? Um, huge. Again, the sanctifying work, the spirit in our life enables that to happen. We can't do that on our own. We are not hardwired to see things from other people's perspective. You know, the whole like, oh, you got to walk in my shoes. Well, I, I can't do that without the Lord. I, I literally, in the middle of a conflict, I cannot walk in somebody else's shoes. I don't want to walk in anybody else's shoes, frankly. I don't want to walk in my shoes. I want my demands to be met, and I don't really care about you. Um, but again, Christ has a different way um, in that. We want to forgive the same way that we've forgiven. Again, you, are you kind of seeing a theme? Super hard for me to hold somebody, you know, kind of on the hook if I'm truly believing who I've been created in Christ. If I believe what Scripture says, I am a new creation, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying work of the Lord in my life. If I truly believe that, super difficult for me to, to hold something on somebody. Very, very difficult to do that. Strengthening the relationship while resolving the issue. Again, talked about that a little bit. Um, and then we want to keep doing what is right regardless of what the other person does. You know, this doesn't work all the time. Um, you could try to get your heart in the right place. You could really do a deep dive on your contribution to the conflict. And the other person, it just doesn't work. I have a lot of... I used to when I was doing this a lot, a lot of calls where somebody would say, hey, could, could, you, could you help mediate this situation? Sure, love to, tell me about it. And so they tell me about it, and we, we go to the other party, and the other party's like, uh-uh, I don't want any part of that. Um, and so you can't go forward, you can't, can't cajole somebody to come to the table. Um, and so then my role then becomes to the person who is wanting to have reconciliation is helping them to, to keep doing what is right. Um, regardless of the other person's response. And that's tough. Especially because we all want satisfaction, especially as a guy. We like, I want satisfaction, you know, for this conflict. I want to, you need to know how much I was hurt or you need to know what I, what I lost, you know, in terms of that. And we just keep giving that to the Lord. We keep giving that to the Lord. We keep laying that at his feet. And you may not have the ability to reconcile with somebody else, uh, but you're not on the hook for that. You're not on the hook for that. Our ability to be free from conflict is not contingent on the other person 
seeing things our way. And I'm really glad about that. There's a lot of stuff that has happened in my life that I'm so glad I can be free from as much as possible. So sadly, your heart can be in the right place and you can be wanting to bridge, but it, it may be rebuffed on the other end. Or you may say, hey, I've, I've contributed to this. I've identified this. And the other person's like, great, you sure did. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's exactly what you did. And you're like, and anything you contributed to that, you know? <laughs> Still continuing to honor that person. How does Christ see that person, honoring that person? I've had more than one mediation where it's gone like that. And then the other person, the other party was so blown away at the humility of one of the parties, they came back later and said, I, I, can't, I can't keep holding on to this. I can't keep holding on to this. So it didn't happen at the moment, but it, it happened later. Yep. I want to give you, this is a pro tip as well, um, the four promises of forgiveness. You know, we could, again, we could spend a lot of time in this. I heard there was an awesome session on forgiveness as well, so I don't want to duplicate. Um, but when we are wanting to make things right, sorry doesn't do it. There's not a real theological construct for sorry. Um, maybe contrite, uh, but if you look at your spouse who has tears in her eyes because you've just leveled her, that's me by the way, I mean leveled her and you know you've leveled her, and you look at her and you say, I'm sorry, it, it's, it's kind of halfway there. It's like getting you there. Sorry for what? Um, and so one of the things that I like to walk people through when we get to the point in a mediation where, where both parties are kind of laid open, laid bare, um, and there's things to, to make right, um, I, I walk them through this uh, together. Um, because sorry, it, again, it, sorry is what we kind of tell our five-year-old to do um, when they've you know, done something wrong. Um, so I walk, I walk them through and I, I say, hey, um, I'm not gonna dwell on this incident. I'm not gonna just keep, keep going over it and over it and over it. You can use this with your kids as well. Um, I'm not gonna dwell on it. This is, this is over, this is done. I'm not gonna dwell on it anymore. I'm not gonna bring this incident up and use it against you. I will never do that. Um, some of us are probably guilty of doing that. I've done that before. Bring something up again that we thought was buried um, in, a, in a friendship um, or marriage and you bring it up, you weaponize it again. Um, but you're gonna commit, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring this up and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. This is key. Um, I'm not gonna, this is, this is just, this is us. And I'm not gonna talk to other people about this. And then I'm not gonna allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Back to that horizontal relationship. So we have the vertical relationship with the Lord, understand what he's done for us and in us and through us. And that affects that horizontal relationship. And so, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship because I value you more than the conflict. So uh, that beautiful young lady next to my wife, she's my oldest daughter and she's um, 24 and uh, loves the Lord. She's a worship leader at a church in Atlanta. And um, so she met a guy. They're at camp together. And uh, I didn't like him. I just didn't like him. I, I just I didn't like him. And so... My wife's like, well, honey, now just, we need to give him a chance. And I'm like, he's going to like maybe ask her to marry him or something like that, you know? She's like, she's not ready for that. She's 24, you know? I mean, come on. And, uh, and so they, you know, so we're a little bit of a rocky start with the relationship. And, um, you, you know, I mean, those of you that have gone ahead of me and have daughters, there's really no one that's good enough for your daughter. <laughs> Sadly, I have to admit that. But I, I thought I had some really, you know, some big things that were like, no, no, he's, he, he's, like, he's like a new believer or something. And I talked to him about the Lord and he just kind of stares at me and my wife's like, that's so unfair. No, he's not. Let's just give him a chance, give him a chance. And so it's like classic, like all the movies, you know, we had him over for dinner and we're kind of getting it. And he lives in, she lives in Georgia and, and he lives in Illinois. So we didn't really get to see him a lot. And then we moved. Um, and, uh, and then I get the text. Hey, Mr. Mount, I wonder if we could, we could have a, a phone call sometime soon. I was like, oh my gosh, 
So have you ever composed like 12 texts before you send it, you know? <laughs> uh, so um, it's like, oh man. And, and my wife, you know, it, and, and you guys know this, she said, you know, we can either try to push this thing and be right about this young man but we're gonna lose the relationship at that point. We're gonna lose the relationship. So we have a choice. We can be all on board and be their biggest fans and really be a major champion of this relationship or we can always, they just, it's tension because he doesn't feel like he's accepted in this family. And uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote about acting loving towards somebody, even though you may not love them, and the feelings usually follow. And, uh, and so, and he's, he's a good guy. So he, you know, longer story, but, um, so yeah, so they're getting married at the end of April. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I had to put him through the ringer, so I, we spent about two hours on the phone together. And, um, but it was, it was good, it really, really felt. I, I'm very, very grateful for him, so yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, what? What did the ringer look like? Well, I, I know it was, it was probably a little overkill. It was, he, he goes, he goes, well, Mr. Man, I, I actually, it's been a couple hours and I, I kind of need to get to work. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, you know, my wife and I, we've always wanted to have this conversation together as a couple. And so. The, my immediate response was, hey, definitely want to talk to you. Um, uh, let's, and so I called him, and he, I, you know, voice is quivery and, and everything, and I said, let me stop you. Um, my wife and I would love to talk to you together, um, and that's just something that we've always felt like, you know, I think I know what this is about. And, and he goes, great. So we Zoomed together that night, and um, it was really, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to hear just his, well, I want to hear more about his relationship with the Lord. I, I started out the conversation, I said, listen, uh, we're thrilled. And, you know, if my understanding of the blessing, we kind of worked through that. I said, we're, we're so thrilled and we're so honored that you would, you would want to marry our daughter. Um, so this isn't about, this isn't an interview. This isn't, we just, so, so take the pressure off, but let's just, let's just have some conversation together. And so we talked about his relationship with the Lord, his vision for marriage, um, which I wasn't expecting, you know, anything, you know, giant in that. Um, why does he love my daughter? Uh, and then we spent a lot of time about what, what type of relationship do we want together? Um, and what type of relationship can I have with you now? And I didn't want to presume anything with that. Um, I, I want to get to know him. I want to hang out together, but I don't want to like kind of force myself on him. And so we talked a lot about that together. And there was, how can we be a support to you um, during this time? Um, and there were some little bumps along the way that we've had. And so I, I was asking, is there anything, um, anything about our family or anything I've done or we've done that have, that have just been a challenge for you in this? And it was great. He said, you know, I didn't feel accepted right away. I feel like I, did, I, feel like I didn't measure up spiritually. Um, and he quoted some things that I said, and he was dead on. And so, <laughs> you know, and so I said, I just said, I said, Ben, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, would, I, I need to ask your forgiveness for that. And I need to ask your forgiveness because my heart was not in the right place. I wasn't giving you um, the benefit of the doubt. I wasn't treating you as a child of God um, during that time. And so I, I just, I wanted to start a relationship solid and just, just, uh, just well. So yeah, it was, we got off the phone. I was like, holy cow, it was two hours, you know, that we were on that thing. But now we have a great memory. We've, we've laughed about it since and, um, so, uh, so it's great. Now we're, we're you know, I, I, send, I text him every now and then and do some, uh, I record things for him and send it to him and just try, he's building a, he and I are both into carpentry and so he and his dad are building a dining room table together, kind of as their kind of last hurrah together before he gets married and so he's asking me about stuff and so, um, but, it, but it, all the way back to this concept is, is if, if we want relationship with people, um, 
we, 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 can't, we can't hold on to those things um, that are gonna divide. In other words, if I, if I truly love somebody, I wanna love them as Christ loves them, then I have to be willing to relinquish the things that I think, um, the ways that they've offended me, um, if I want that relationship. And we've seen that, right? Um, I mean, you've experienced it, you've seen it, where people just, they, they draw a line in the sand, and they say, nope, I'm not crossing that. I'm not doing this until they do that, or they did that, whatever, and the relationship just totally disintegrates, you know, at that point. And there's some, there's some damage, right? All of us, all of us have damaged relationships, all of us in, in the past. Close relationships, not close relationships. Parents, children, um, do you wanna be right or do you wanna have a relationship? That's kind of what it comes down to. Do you wanna be right or do you wanna have a relationship? Let's check this out. Our guy, our guy did a good job, right? Our guy did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you could see, um, you could see it, some things playing out in there a, a little bit. Um, doesn't always go good like that, but uh, good, good to see that kind of resolve a little bit. Hey, um, I have a couple resources, few resources. So Unoffendable, um, has anybody read Unoffendable? Um, before. So this is by a guy named Brant Hansen. I, I don't have a lot of books that I say this has been like a life transformation book. Um, this has been a life transformation book for me. Um, it's, it, is, it is amazing. What would it look like if you and I lived life being unoffendable? Whoa! Transformative. Unbelievable. Um, we've got, uh, a, I've read it as a team before. Um, with a group of people. Um, great, great book. Highly recommend it. Especially if you're a powder keg. Has anyone ever called you a powder keg before? <laughs> or short fuse? <laughs> you need to read this book. <laughs> this is a big deal. Um, so, and then where a lot of this, uh, a lot of the stuff that I was teaching you comes from The Peacemaker. Um, John Thomas back there said he's reading that with his family. Um, a lot of great concept. It's a kind of a perennial classic uh, to read um, as a family, as an individual, as a church. Uh, goes a lot deeper in a lot of these concepts. Highly recommend that, particularly if you find yourself in peacemaking situations. You know, I didn't grow up and say, I want to be a peacemaker, I want to be a mediator. I just found myself in situation after situation, and I was able to help people connect. And so if that's you, if you feel like people ask you to help, um, this is a great book um, uh, to be a part of. And this is a, a kind of a newer book called Winsome Conviction. And... Um, Rick Langer is a buddy of mine. He teaches at Biola. Uh, and uh, this is really, really cool. Um, just talking about conflict that's dividing the church. And boy, are we seeing a lot of that right now. Man, I mean, there was certainly conflict dividing the church pre-COVID, but whoa, just the stuff that we see is just stuff that we hear about. Pastors, youth pastors coming up here. The stories, the stories you're experiencing in your own church. I mean, isn't that amazing how fast lines were drawn and how fast lines continue to be drawn? And then there's, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And so this book is, is super, super cool. A little more on the academic side. He gets pretty technical, um, but, but super solid. Um, if, you, if your pastoral staff or someone like that is really struggling with stuff, I think this is a, this is a great one as well. And then Rick's Rick's at Biola, and I'm sure he'd love to talk to you as well. So three, three really good books. Um, and then if I can help you at all, there's my email address. Shoot me an email, and if you got something going on, and um, you know, if I can just walk you through that or help you with that, or if there's more information you want out of this, or you want to say, uh, I hated it, it was terrible, you know, and then we can get in a conflict together, so that would be nice <laughs> um, to do that. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... So anyway, um, I, I believe that we can all be peacemakers um, individually, but I believe that we can coach others. You know, I, when I'm in the heat of a conflict, sometimes I don't see, most of the time I don't see clearly. And so to have a brother come alongside me and, and um, just say, hey, and walk me through, it, it's super hard to excavate these things on your own. Um, if you're in the heat of emotion, and you've got something going on, it's, you can look at these notes that you're taking, and, and, but it, it really helps if somebody can kind of walk you through it a little bit. And because um, we, especially with that log <laughs> hunt, it's really difficult to 
delve into your own heart and see what's going on. It really, it really takes a, a great, and they don't need to be trained. It's just a brother in Christ saying, hey, why is it so important to you? Um, what, what if that didn't happen? What would life be like? Is, is this relationship worth totally exploding over this thing? Um, what have you contributed to it? Um, what are some of your heart idols that are driving this? Where's the anger coming? You know, those, those types of questions, very difficult to do on your own, especially with a bigger conflict or a conflict that's had a lot, uh, a lot of time to kind of fester. Very, very difficult because we just kind of get in our, our mindset. And um, so it's great if you can begin to take even a few of these concepts that you picked up on and come alongside somebody. And, and then I just pray. I pray for people. I just say, Lord, if you want to use me in the life of somebody else, just use me and, and see what he does. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, I notice churches are polarized, people in the church because of politics. And so you have this fear among those that love Jesus. They don't want to talk about it. I know, I know. Isn't that sad? That is, uh, if you didn't hear the question, gentleman here is talking about being polarized in the church and specifically with political issues and you don't want to say anything. Um, that's, that's super, super delicate. I try to see things simply. I just try to go back to the bond of unity. What's, what, for our congregation, for our fellowship, what, what's unity all about? And we can certainly have varying political persuasions on things and still be unified. I mean, it's been happening for, since the birth of our nation, um, having different political perspectives, but still being um, unified. But yeah, I, I agree. There's this, it's really sad impact is just being fearful uh, because I don't want to offend or I don't want to get canceled or whatever else. And that's just not of God, you know, and that's just, that's, that's, that's not something he's wired us to do. So I'll hang out for a few minutes. I'm going to pray for us and let us go. If you guys want to chat, we'd love to meet some of you, but um, thanks for being up here. We just, it has been a rough 18 months for us and so, um, for Hume, and so to be able to uh, have people here to be able to minister, you know, going 18 months without doing the ministry that we feel like the Lord has called us to, um, and and fighting and and having people because I mean, we just can't win, right? I mean, we, you know, we we say this is kind of the road we're going to take with COVID, for instance, and you get people that are like, uh, uh-uh, you know, I don't want any part of that. Um, I had a I see that hand. I had a had a church um, when we were originally kind of developing our protocols for um, COVID, they just wrote us a letter and they just said, uh, we are training our students to stand on truth and not on fear. We want nothing to do with Hume Lake anymore. You know, hard, really hard. Try to hear that. Yeah, yeah, lots of emotions, yeah. What's your name, sir? Dave. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Just talking about the importance of, of, of cooling off, um, giving yourself a break. Absolutely. If we were to go deeper into this, that would be one of our things is just, just pulling, pulling away and <laughs> giving yourself some space. Sometimes, though, we can weaponize that as guys. Have you ever given your wife the silent treatment before? It's like, I, I, I need some time. And you know what that does to your wife that makes her feel insecure and uh, makes her feel sad. And so... Um, you, you go away so that maybe she'll be, forget about it or be more, be more thankful of what an awesome guy you are, you know, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I know if, if you are a powder keg, if you are somebody who's prone to that, you have to, you have to do that. You have to pull back and, and give yourself space. But you don't want to weaponize it. You want to tell your spouse, say, what, what I tell my wife is that I, I'm not the best version of myself right now. <laughs> I'm not the best version of myself right now. I'm either hungry or I'm tired or whatever. I'm, if you're a counselor, you know the halt thing, hungry, angry, angry lonely, tired. Um, I'm not the best version of myself right now. 
would I be able to step away? That's different than fine. I'm, I'm going to go watch TV or fine. I just, you know, I'm out of here. I'm, um, so, but, but good point, Dave. I appreciate that. So, well, let me just pray for you, pray for us, and then uh, you guys can be out of here. Yeah, Jesus, we, we are so undeserving of the love that we have. We, we are, without, without what you did on the cross for us, we are at war with you. We were at war with the creator of the universe. And for you to provide a way, for you to provide a solution, for you to provide a life to take on all of our dirt and all of our grime and all of our sin and commitment to self, Lord. We, we are so undeserving of that and so grateful. Lord, thank you that we can leverage what was done on the cross in so many aspects of our life. Conflict is just one of those. Um, but boy, do we need to leverage that. And so Lord, I pray for my brothers here. Um, I, I pray specifically for the guy who has something right now where he just feels defeated. He just feels like there, there is no hope for this thing. Um, Lord, we know there is always hope in you, and, and I don't know that situation, but I know it's dark and it's lonely, and um, it seems not worth it to pursue this. And so, Lord, I just pray for any of us here who have one of those that's just, just brutal. Um, Lord, would you help us to apply who we know to you be to, to be to our life and, and, and our identity in you and, and who we are formed in you. Lord, would you help us to anchor ourselves in that? And may we, may we relate to that other person or that other party or that other group from a position of knowing who we are in you, forgiven, knowing that because we are forgiven and because of what was done on the cross, we can forgive others. And, and Lord, if there's any, anybody here that's tried that and it's just not, it's not being received on the other side, Lord, just pray for them. Pray for them not to give up hope. Pray for them not to lose hope. Pray that they um, would be able to continue to act in loving manner toward the other party, the other person, um, not because of anything they can do on their own, but because of the power at work in them by the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ in them, Lord. And Lord, may we be peacemakers. Whether we remember kind of this outline or not, Lord, may we just... Um, may we look for opportunities to bring people together. Uh, may we not cower because we feel like we're going to get canceled. May we, may we not um, buy into the world's manner in which we deal with conflict. May we not be on the attack, Lord. Help us to be peacemakers in our churches right now, especially our churches, our schools, our communities, our neighborhoods. Um, the vitriol right now, the emotion right now is... It's, it's so, so, so awful, Lord. And what an awesome thing that, that we can bring the spirit of Christ into conversations, we can bring the spirit of Christ into decisions. And, and finally, Lord, I pray for, um, we've got stuff, Lord. We've got stuff um, that we are contributing to conflicts, maybe recently or right now. Lord, help us to continue to be men who are aware of our stuff. Um, it's scary to look at our stuff. We don't like our stuff. We'd prefer that we just not have stuff. Um, but Lord, all of us know those few things, those things that, that tend to reoccur over and over. Maybe brothers or someone else has kind of pointed stuff out, but we just want to resist it. And Lord, maybe there's, maybe we're just getting hung up in that. Maybe there's just, it's a reoccurring deal. And so Lord, help us to be aware of our stuff. And then when we're aware of our stuff, to bring that to the cross and uh, lay that at your feet, Lord. We want to, we want to be used by you. We want to be vessels, um, that are a conduit of your love to a nation that is ripped apart right now, God. And, and we can't do that if we are resistant to our stuff. And so help us deal with our stuff and let you deal with our stuff so that we can mend and, and be tools of mending relationships, God, and, and applying the truth of your word and the truth of your gospel to relationships, God. We... We want to do that. We want to be your vessels for that. So thanks for these men. I just pray that you continue to minister to them through fun, through conversation, through um, sharing, through vulnerability, um, through the reading and the listening and the application of your word, and through walking around this beautiful place, this still place that that has trees that don't care about vaccines, that has mountains that um, don't care about who's in office, um, 
It has a lake that will be here long, long, long after um, this COVID thing is, is done and gone, Lord. May the peacefulness and the stillness and the permanence of this place minister to this community, Lord, who we feel topsy-turvy right now. We feel topsy-turvy. We feel not anchored. And so maybe just being here and seeing your creation have an effect on our soul. So Lord, we're grateful. We love you. May you be glorified by anything that the Holy Spirit uses in the lives of these guys. So thank you, Jesus. Amen.